Siyata Dishmaya Parashas Boy, Be'ezah Hashem. We have tonight, Siyata Dishmaya, we have one of the most fundamental, I, I feel like we discussed this a lot, but I just think that, you know, like I said last week, you can't ignore the simple ones, you can't ignore the fundamentals, and I think tonight is one of those fundamental parts of Yiddishkeit, that sometimes people are floating with all the tiefkeit and the, the depth and everything else, which is beautiful, but sometimes tonight we're going to just go through the simple stuff, okay? So we have in this week's parasha, as we know, we've got the last of the three Gavaldigamachas that took over Mitzrayim, and the Torah tells us right in the beginning, Mamish in the beginning, Boy el Paroi, Kianir boy, and that's the notion of key, right? Because I hardened his heart, the slave Avodov, Lemaan. Now we know Lemaan always means for a specific purpose. Shisi asoisai eila bekirboi. So we have an incredible thing that the Torah tells us, or Shalom tells Moshe Rabbeinu, I specifically hardened Paroi's heart so that I can continue Mamish pounding down Mitzrayim with every type of punishment. And as the Posse continues, as we know, to relate this to all future generations, and you will know that I am Hashem. So the Torah is very, very specific that the main purpose for the Gavaldigan Nisim Veniflois that we saw already in last week's parasha, continuing in this week's parasha, the last three, are the most incredible, incredible miracles that happen. Mamish, open eye miracles. And the Rabbi Nishalom is telling us why. Why is he doing it? So that everyone knows that he is the Rabbi Nishalom. Right? And that's specifically in this week's parasha by the last three. Asks the Ramban a question. Asks the Ramban a question. What is going on over here? The Rabbi Nishalom is telling Moshe Rabbeinu why he hardened Paray's heart. Right? For the reason over here, for future generations, that everybody will know that the Rabbanishim runs the world. Rabbi said, take a step back and think for a moment. What's going on over here? What's, what's happening? They're seeing the most incredible things. They're already in last week's parsha. They saw Dam, Tzafardeh, even Tzafardeh. I mean, Dam itself is incredible, right? Everything for everyone went into the blood. But Tzafardeh was the most incredible Makkah. The Medrash tells us that you had two Mitzrim who were trying to have a conversation, and the Pasha couldn't hear each other, even though they were right next to each other, because of the noise that the frogs were making, and yet next door, the Yidden had peace and quiet. The, the most unbelievable things, they saw it with their own eyes. What does this mean? What's going on that the Torah is telling us, oh, now you're going to see what's going to happen now, and this is going to be the test. This is going to be what's going to tell for all future generations. What's happening over here? We would have thought that the Yidden in Mitzrayim was such maminim. They saw the, they saw the Rabbi Shalom's hand in every Makkah. They saw how it affected only the Mitzrim and not the Yidden. And yet we see the Torah is telling us that the Rabbi Shalom is telling Moshe Rabbeinu that I am specifically hardening Paris heart so that now you're going to see who's the boss, who's running the show, who's pulling the strings, and then you're going to know who's the Rabbi Shalom. You think until now they didn't? They saw it! So it's very interesting. The opposite seems to be true. That's what the Rabbam seems to be, Maramas. It seems to be that when Kalali saw what was going on in Mitzrayim, they saw the dumb. Wow, unbelievable. Sifar, they, they saw the Nisim going on. 
No, so we're about to come out, right? It's happening. Paro's going to let us out. He's going to see. Nothing happens. Maka after maka after maka. Seven makas in last week's parasha, and yet nothing happens. Klali Sola is stuck in Mitzrayim with no Eitzah. Nothing's happening. They started to lose hope. They started to lose hope. They started to see it's not happening. Efshim, we're not going to get out of here. Efshim, it's not real. What's happening over here? So the Rebbeinu says, don't worry. Now I'm going to show you. Here in this week's parasha, parasha's boy, I'm going to show you who's running the show. Who will give you that last chizik to show you and have complete emunah and the Rebbeinu Shalaylam. The Ramban, famously, at the end of the parasha, I suggest that everybody go through this Ramban. At the end of the parasha, there cannot be a more famous, more fundamental Ramban than this week's parasha's Ramban at the end, at the end of the parasha. So without going into all of the details, one of the questions that the Ramban asks is, why is Pesach so homo? Why is it so bad? The women go mishiga. There are women right now who are already, you know, before Tu Bishvat, they're already preparing, they're already getting involved, what are we going to do, how are we going to set up the house, how are we going to clean, why is it so homo? As I think the Ramban, why is it so homo? And one of the answers, and the story that basically the whole Ramban is about at the end of the parasha, is because this parasha, and the previous parasha, the next parasha, this is the fundamentals of Yiddishkeit, it's all about this. If we don't instill this into our heart right now, we have no chance. This right now is the fundamental of our Yiddishkeit. This is the foundations of everything we stand for. This is what the Chinuch writes, if anybody had a schus, of learning the Hakdoma, of the Heilige Chinuch. How he brings down, beautifully, right in the beginning of the Hakdoma, how Ishmi Pi Ish, that so many people saw Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, saw the Nisim Beniflois. It's not Shaykh. For so many people have seen it, that didn't give it over in the correct way. And what we're hearing today is a direct transmission from what happened then, Ishmi Pi Ish, man, generation to generation to generation. Says the Ramban, that's why Chomets is so Chomo. That's why the Inyonim of Pesach was so Machme, perhaps more Machme than anywhere else. Says the Ramban, you know why? Because this is it. This is Yiddishkeit. This is what we stand on. This is everything we come from. I think it's Kedai to spend a few minutes understanding this on a little bit of a deeper level and maybe a little bit of a practical level also. The Chodos Alavavos in Shara B'china brings down the following thing. The Chodos Alavavos writes that the Rabbi Nishim created this world in an incredible way. And he says that the Rabbi Nishim created the world with a proportion that the Rabbi Nishim created according to what we need. That's how the Chodos Alavavos explains it. And he explains as follows. Says the Chavis Alavavis, the Rabbanishim created air. How much air did he create? It's everywhere. Everywhere you go, there's going to be air. Right? Apart from if you go up in space. But there's air everywhere on earth. Why? Because air is the, most thing, is the most important thing that you need. You cannot live without air. So therefore the Rabbanishim created lots of air. Okay? That's level number one. He moves on to water. And he says, how much water? So most of the world is actually water, the majority of it, but it's not everywhere because you need it, but you don't need it as much as air. Then he moves on to food, vegetables, fruits, on the trees and everything else. Plenty of it. But again, it's not full of the world because you need it less than water. Clothing, everything else he goes through is the Rabbanisham created the world in exact proportions to how much we need. Says the altar of Kelm, the same is true with Ruchnias. 
The same is true with Yiddishkeit in the same way. Things that are most available are obviously most needed. What is the most, says the altar of Kelm, essential part of a spiritual need? And that's Emunah. Tzadik be'emunasai yichyeh. He lives with his Emunah. It's impossible, says the altar of Kelm, for a person to live without Emunah. To live without Emunah in the Rabbani Shalom is, is, is a terrible thing. And that's what the Rambam wants to still in our hearts. And that's what the Torah is telling us in this week's parasha. The Rabbani Shalom is saying, yeah, Kalistan started to get disheartened. What's going to be? What's going to happen? Parah is not listening. We're going to be here forever. No, don't worry. A person has to have Emunah. And these are the parishes that we instill in ourselves, the Emunah. Somebody once asked, of Shagor Faiba Mendelovich, he was staring outside the window. He was just looking outside the window. And they said, Rebbe, what, what are you looking at? He said, I'm just looking at the world. I'm just looking at that which the Rabbeinu Shalom created. The most incredible thing, Rabbeinu Bahaya brings it down also. In his safe on Betochen, he brings down what is Betochen. A Betochen, a person has to realize, a Muna person has to realize that there is a creator. There is somebody pulling the strings. There is a higher force. That's what a Muna is. It's the most incredible thing that Rishon Salamta famously writes in one of the letters. When he talks about Emuna, he says, what is Emuna? He says, for example, a person buys a lottery ticket, right? So now, I think the mega power lottery in America has gone well over a billion. Am I right? It's gone over well over a billion dollars. Anybody want to cash in quick and you can stay in Kodal for the rest of your life comfortably. What is it? 22 year Kodal. 22 year Kodal, exactly. You have no problem whatsoever. No, Rabbi Sai, you buy a ticket, you're done. Says Rabbi Salanta, what would happen if you buy a ticket that's worth, let's just make it easy, a million dollars. A million dollars! A guy comes to you and it says, I will offer you, I will offer you 999,000 dollars, whatever it is. Sell me your ticket. What's real Emuna? I'm not selling it to you because I'm going to win. And I'm going to win the winning ticket. So why would I want to sell it to you a couple of days earlier when I'm going to get the actual money in a few days? Says you so that's what Emuna is. Emuna is something that a person has to believe with all of his heart. And you know, we're living in a generation where things are difficult. Things are very hidden. Right? We're just a few hours into the new administration in America. The world is still existing. There's electricity in America. People were nervous. Is there going to be electricity? What's going to happen? Oh my gosh, the world is going to turn into who knows what. We're still here. Because you know why? Because the Rabbani Shalom knows how to run the world. He doesn't need any administrations. He doesn't need any help from anybody in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. The Rabbani Shalom is good without anybody whatsoever. The Rabbani Shalom is able, without any problem whatsoever, to run the world. We think, oh, if we've got him in the White House, oh, we're going to be safe. Israel, wonderful. We'll have everything we need. It doesn't work that way. The Rabbani Shalom says, I'm pulling the strings. Everything comes from me. It doesn't make a difference who it is. I've got Harbor Shluchim Lemokim. There's many people that could do many, many things. The Rabban Shom can put Rabbis, Machshavis, believe Ish. The Rabban Shom can put in the Machshava in every single person. But we have to live it. We have to live with this Rabbisa. We have to live with this Emuna. We have to live with this simple attitude of realizing who runs the world. And I guarantee you, if you live with this, I'm putting a guarantee here. You will have a different life. There is no Shaila. There is no Shaila that a person that lives with this Ramban with this realization that everything that happens is from the Rabbi Nishlanim, he would have a different life. Everything that happens to him, it's Hashem. 
Everything, every direction that the Rabbani Shalom takes him, it comes from the Rabbani Shalom. We all know the Kavayasha brings a Moira de Kazakh from the Ramban. I think I've said this before, but it's good to say it again. The Kavayasha brings from the Ramban when the Ramban had a Talmud that was very, very sick. So he said to his Talmud, My dear Talmud, you're about to leave this world. Do me a favor. I have some questions. I have questions. How do a bunch of run his world? What's the pshat? What's the pshat in this? What's the pshat in that? That's a bit Moshe Rabbeinu. It's in the Gemara But he asked his Talmud, and he said, Dear Talmud, I'm going to give you a special code. Special shame Hashem, shameless, whatever. You go up there, say those shameless, you'll be let into the Kisah covered, ask the Rabbi Nishalalim these questions, and get back to me. So Talmud said, sure, no problem. You remembered the questions, you remembered the shameless. A few days later, the Ramban, after this Talmud, unfortunately, was left, they left the world. The Ramban gets a dream, and it's this Talmud. And the Talmud says to Ramban, what you said to me was incredible. I used these shamus. I went higher and higher and higher in the spheres of Shamayim, higher and higher to Kisai Kovat. And as I got up, and as I went higher, all the questions that you asked fell to the wayside. There were no questions anymore. Because the way the Rebunshim ran the world was absolutely perfect. But it looks to us like there are questions. Because we don't live with Hashem. We don't live with this Emunah. And that's an incredible thing. In Shirashirim, the Possek says, you know what that means? That means the Rabbani Shalom looks at us through a crack. What does that mean? What does it mean looks through a crack? you ever look through a crack? Nobody can see you. Right? If you're looking through a crack. Right? I don't know if any kids you don't want to hear what the mummy and tati are saying. So you go, you, go, you go downstairs and you try and hear something. So you look through the crack to see what's, what's happening over there. Right? You look through, nobody can see you. But you can see everything. The Rabbani Shalom is exactly the same. The Rabbani Shalom looking through the cracks says the Pesach and Shirashirim. We can't see him. We can't see the Rabbani Shalom is looking through the crack. But he's here. He's looking at us. He sees us. He sees everything. We all know the famous Misa, which they bring and they attribute to so many different tzaddikim. But the way I heard it from Rabbani Meshvish, when Rabbani was sitting in his study, one of his grandchildren came in crying. said, Zayda, Zayda, I can't believe it. And he's crying with tears down his eyes. And he, said, and he said, what's my, my, my dear Ainuku, my dear child? What's the matter? What happened? So he said, oh, we're playing hide and seek. We're playing hide and seek with, the, with my cousins. And we, he was hiding here and he was hiding there. And I was hiding over there. And nobody came to look for me. Nobody came to look for me. And I'm standing there for two hours in the hiding place. And nobody comes to see. No one comes to seek me out. I can't believe it. They went to go and play another game. They forgot all about me. And Baruch Meshbush starts saying, ah, the Rabbi Shalom is hiding. And the Rabbani Shalom is saying, who's looking for me? Who's looking for the Rabbani Shalom? Who's looking for the Rabbani Shalom in their own lives? In everything that happened to us? Do we attribute everything to the highest source, to the Rabbani Shalom? Or is everything a chance? Or is everything just happening? This is going wrong. That's going wrong. Nothing is going wrong. Everything is right. Everything is the way it's meant to be. I always remember... This is a, a Moed Gazakh because Rav Shalom Shalom Betzim said it, but I saw this in action. Rav Shalom Shalom once said that you had a guy in Knisala right, the entrance to Yerushalayim, where you've got like a whole sort of spaghetti of highways all coming together with traffic lights everywhere. He said there was a Meshigana once, complete Meshigana, who gets up and he stands in the middle of the crossroad over there and he's directing the traffic. Stop. Okay, you go. Okay, you can come this way. He doesn't even realize that on top of him he's got the traffic lights. And as he sees the cars stopping, so he goes, stop, because he realizes that he's got a traffic light on top of him. I saw this once in the airport once. I was in America. 
and I was waiting for a flight. You know how it goes nowadays. They started this new thing that they do through zones, right? Everything's through zones, right? You have to go, you have to board through zones. So the way I normally sit, I'm like right at the back. So everything's like the last zone. It's very, very annoying. You've got to wait till the zone is called in. So there was this um, not thin woman who was basically in charge of the whole situation in the airport. And uh, there she was. She was very proud. She, I mean, she held herself to be like the president. Zone one, zone two, she's in charge. But I hopped. How did she know when to call the next zone? Right? She didn't see it on the screen. She heard it in, in the, like the loudspeaker. Like, she, like so it was obviously not working so well, whatever it was. And the main manager decided that now we can call in zone two. And she's all proud saying, ah, zone two, come in. Right? <laughs> it's somebody else. How many times do we think we're directing our lives? How many times do we think we're in charge of what we do? We're in charge of nothing. There's the Rabbani Shalom. The Rabbani Shalom is pulling the strings. The Rabbani Shalom is doing everything. The Hashkocha protest that's in our lives, we don't even recognize. We don't even see. Oh, but this week's parasha shows us that we need to recognize it. Rabbi, so let me end with one incredible, incredible story of Hashkocha protest. And you see from here that the Rabbani Shalom runs the world. Not that you need to see it from here, but just Machazik the Indian. We know in Malachim, the Navi tells us about a story about Yeshayahu HaMelech that he sent messengers to basically do renovations on the Beis HaMikdash which had become damaged and during the, all the, you know, all the Shifut Sim that they were doing they found the Sefer Torah which was rolled to Parshas Kisavoy and Parshas Kisavoy as we know is the Torah and they were shocked right? Yeshayahu HaMelech was shocked that he saw such a thing he took this as a message Obviously, the Rabbani Shalom is telling me that I, we need to do tshuva, and he gathered everyone together, and they started doing tshuva. Okay, so I want to tell you a similar myself. There was, a few years ago, a ceremony. A ceremony which was honoring the 25th anniversary of the Twin Cities Pact between the Lower Galilee Region Council of Israel and the Hanover District of Germany. Now, it was held in Germany. And there were a number of very big, you know, dignitaries from each country, from Israel and from Germany in the place, that were in this, in this uh, celebration, in this 25th anniversary. The pact was to celebrate a mutual cooperation, an exchange of ideas and commerce, social understanding between the two places. After the ceremony, okay, everybody said, listen to this, after the ceremony, a German Bundeskrieg, right, so a member of parliament, his name was Deitliv Herzig. He was a member of the SPD party, approached the head of the Lower Galilee Region Council, Mati Dotten. And he related a story about his father. He said his father had just passed away. And before he became too ill, as his father was getting worse and worse, he tearfully confessed to his son that he was actually a part of the Holocaust against the Jewish people. And he explained that there are many people out there that deny the Holocaust, and he wanted to present irrevocable evidence of the truth, and he told his son he had been an officer in the German Air Force during World War II, and he handed him an envelope which contained the proof. Upon opening the envelope, the astonished son found an army officer's certificate that was wrapped in a very strange wallet made of parchment. His father explained that while under orders to destroy a Jewish shul, he found a scroll made of parchment, and he cut a piece of paper out of it to use it as a wallet. And he afterwards discovered that this scroll 
basically was something very holy to the Jewish people, and he regretted desecrating such a holy item. On his deathbed, he told his son to give over the evidence, including the parchment paper, to the first Jew that he meets, and ask him to take it to a holy Jew in Israel, who would know how to use it properly. His father, after that, died, but fulfilling this last idea of some kind of tshuva. So this Detlev Herzig decided and asked this Mati Dotten if he would serve as the missionary. You come from Israel, take this parchment, could you give it to a holy rabbi in Israel? And Mati said it would be his honor to take it to Israel and fulfill his father's last wish in this world. Upon returning to Israel, Mati decided to bring the parchment to Rabbi Yitzhak David Grossman, the Rav of Migdal Amik, and he was very excited to see it, but then he wanted to see where did this parchment come from? Which part of the Torah did this Nazi randomly cut out from the Torah, from the Sefer Torah, and use as his wallet? And as he read from it, his whole body started trembling. It was the words of the parsha of the Torah. That if you're not careful to fulfill all the words of the Torah and to listen to the Rabboni Shalom and honor Hashem, the Rabboni Shalom will affect you and all future generations and all the sufferings of Mitzrayim will come back. He could have cut any place of the Torah, but he randomly cut the place of the Torah. If that doesn't tell you Ashkoch HaPratis, what does? Rabbi said the Ramban in this week's parasha explains to us the Yisoyed of our Yiddishkeit, the Yisoyed of our lives, is to live with this idea that there's a Rabbi Nishalanam and the Rabbi Nishalanam runs the world. Have a good night.